Hello and welcome. I'm Sri Roy with Sleep Review, and I'm thrilled to be here with Younghoon Kwan, MD, MS, FACC, who is board certified in cardiovascular disease, sleep medicine, and critical care medicine. He is an associate professor in the Division of Cardiology at UW. He completed a sleep medicine fellowship at Hennepin County Medical Center. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Pharmaceuticals, Today, we are chatting about reducing the risk of cardiovascular comorbidities in patients with narcolepsy. Narcolepsy is linked with multiple cardiovascular risk factors and comorbidities. Can you inform our audience to any of the specifics of the cardiovascular burden among patients with narcolepsy? Thank you so much for letting me discuss this topic. You know, maybe perhaps I can start off by saying that this is clearly an underappreciated topic by cardiology field for sure, uh, and even perhaps by professionals or clinicians in the sleep field as well. And partly because narcolepsy itself is not the most common health conditions, as you, as you might agree with me. Of course, we uh, as sleep physicians are biased because we see uh, patients coming through the uh, referral system. But at the population level, the, uh, the prevalence and incidence of narcolepsy is relatively low compared to other more common conditions, including sleep apnea and, and insomnia and, and those conditions that we often see in, in, in our clinical space. But yeah, yes, uh, so your question about, uh, you know, what might be the burden of cardiovascular risk factors or disease in narcolepsy, I think there have been some anecdotal reports about this for many years, whether patients with narcolepsy may be uh, at higher risk of cardiovascular disease. But I would say the, uh, the anecdotal experience mostly uh, related to the medications that were prescribed to patients with narcolepsy, because oftentimes the, uh, the older generation medications, and we still use them quite often, uh, are classified as a sympathomimetics, which in essence stimulates uh, one's cardiovascular system, specifically heart. And so oftentimes you know, the questions have been raised whether patients who are chronically on these type of medications may be vulnerable to heart disease because their heart is constantly being stimulated. So for example, their blood pressure might be higher uh, because they may be on methylphenidate, you know, that kind of medica stimulant medications. Uh, but then I think the science uh, is slowly uncovering potentially a more important mechanism, which is that uh, the pathophysiology of narcolepsy itself may be uh, linked to higher uh, cardiovascular disease. So, so now we're talking about uh, the condition itself may be a, uh, an important uh, mediator of cardiovascular disease. So you know, there, there have been some number of studies, but I think one you know, study, uh, the retrospective study called the Bond study, I think that was published uh, not too long ago, uh, several years ago in sleep medicine. But what they looked at was retrospectively, they looked at the, uh, the common comorbidity that are often found in uh, patients with narcolepsy. And in their, uh, if this is a, a study where they looked at the uh, claim data set and the uh, uh, where they looked at the ICD code narcolepsy in adult subjects, and then trying to link that 
uh, ICD code with comorbid conditions. So this was a fairly large uh, study. Uh, they uh, looked at about, I think, about 10,000 subjects with narcolepsy. And then they, of course, had uh, some uh, control groups just to see, you know, what, what association might be present. Uh, in this study, basically, they looked at various conditions, and there were lots of conditions that had the narcolepsy patients had a much higher risk. So, for example, like mental illness uh, or even digestive system, all this, you know, kind of various health conditions. Actually, narcolepsy patients had higher risk for many of all these conditions, including cardiovascular disease. So that, that this is when, you know, when we realize as a, as a kind of an expert in this field or as a professional in this field, kind of open up our eyes and saying, maybe the narcolepsy itself is an important risk for a cardiovascular disease. Why is it that patients with narcolepsy commonly present with cardiovascular comorbidities? Is there a potential mechanistic link between narcolepsy and these conditions? Yeah, so that, that, that's a good question. I, I should say, I think that this is still work in progress uh, area. I don't think we have a greatest understanding uh, about the potential link. But as I mentioned, this, uh, you know, this kind of uh, epidemiological association that was found between narcolepsy and cardiovascular disease uh, from this uh, claim data you know, uh, in fact, I think this cardiovascular study, uh, the burden of narcolepsy, so, so-called the CD bond study, came out pretty recently. But there was definitely an association. And then you have dietary intake of sodium, so that can easily uh, increase the risk of sodium uh, intake. Uh, I mean, I mean the, uh, the likelihood of uh, high sodium intake. And that will put you at a higher risk of high blood pressure. And as you know, high blood pressure is one of the most fundamental uh, and well understood risk factors for cardiovascular disease. So that is one potential mechanism that, that we can easily think of. Narcolepsy is a condition where an individual is inherently experiencing sleepiness, daytime sleepiness, and also disruptive sleep at night. So it's not just about uh, daytime sleepiness, but also disruptive sleep at night. And narcolepsy obviously is a uh, more of a uh, inherent condition. There could be an acquired narcolepsy, but primarily when we talk, refer to narcolepsy, we are talking about the, uh, the inborn narcolepsy. Although the onset of narcolepsy is typically delayed until late teens or in the 20s, uh, young adulthood. So going back to the pathophysiology of narcolepsy. So symptoms, as I mentioned, is uh, characterized by uh, sleepiness as well as inter interrupted or disruptive sleep. So before I go into more of a molecular level of pathophysiology, the symptoms alone here are a well-perceived factors that are adverse to our health in general, but also uh, in, in terms of cardiovascular health. We know that disrupted sleep, for example, could be a, um, a mediator of cardiovascular disease. So uh, if somebody sleeps poorly because they wake up frequently at night and their sleep is inadequate uh, not, uh, in terms of quantity and quality. Uh, that alone confers a high risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, there are lots of studies out there that link poor sleep or disruptive sleep with cardiovascular disease. So I don't have to reinvent that concept. Uh, but as again, the narcolepsy, the the, the essential traits of narcolepsy, which is 
excessive daytime sleepiness as well as disrupted sleep point to the fact that they may be inherently uh, exposed to very high risk of cardiovascular disease. And I, I think I skipped about this topic of uh, daytime sleepiness. Excessive daytime sleepiness is another important phenotype that links many sleep conditions with adverse health uh, conditions. So for example, sleep clinicians are, are well aware of that condition like sleep, obstructive sleep apnea, which is very common in, in, in the community, is in, uh, associated with increased cardiovascular risk. However, we have found that not everyone with sleep apnea appear to have increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Secondly, people with sleep apnea, not every, every people with sleep apnea appear to take advantage of sleep apnea treatment, such as using a CPAP, in terms of cardiovascular benefits. Many uh, studies, and these are mostly uh, secondary uh, post-op analysis, so sometimes it's not always definite, but uh, many secondary analysis studies have suggested that it's often people with daytime sleepiness. So people with sleep apnea, so common denominator is sleep apnea, but it's when you have excessive daytime sleepiness that, that you have actually higher risk of cardiovascular disease. In, in a similar token, people who exhibit excessive daytime sleepiness in people with sleep apnea are the one who appear to benefit from CPAP therapy or treatment for sleep apnea. So that alludes to the fact that the phenotype of sleep is very important in any sleep disorders. So daytime sleepiness again, and as well as disruptive sleep at night, these are highly phenotyped uh, risk, sleep risks uh, that are linked to uh, cardiovascular disease and narcolepsy has all, all of these. Um, so at that level, we can certainly uh, assume that naturally the patients with narcolepsy may be at higher risk of uh, cardiovascular disease. Now, oftentimes, the studies around this area have been very challenging because a lot of patients with narcolepsy are relatively young. These are young patients. These are not oftentimes uh, patients that are included in the study or in the clinical, uh, clinic space. They're like young people. They're people in their 20s, 30s, 40s. We don't really see a lot of patients with narcolepsy in their 60s and 70s. It may be a selection bias, but uh, it's just that that they're not as common, partly because they are uh, either never been diagnosed or they've been diagnosed, but they got lost. In any way, so because of that nature, and as you know, youth is one of the protection factor for cardiovascular disease. So their manifestation of cardiovascular disease may not be as obvious. Uh, and that's one of the logistical challenges in showing all these links. Uh, however, as I said, you know, accumulating uh, evidence, not a lot right now, uh, might suggest that, that this uh, link is real and, uh, and then, then more studies are, are necessary to uncouple the, uh, the mechanism. I want to just kind of briefly touch on a pathophysiological link between narcolepsy and cardiovascular disease in terms of more of a biochemical and molecular level. Narcolepsy is a, a condition that's characterized by, uh, especially type 1, Type 2 is a little bit more complex, and I, I, I think the definition of narcolepsy type 2 is still evolving to some extent, but uh, type 1 is the most well-established type, subtype of narcolepsy, uh, and it's essentially a, uh, a disease or disorder where a hypocretin uh, is deficient. The hypocretin or orexin is the, uh, an important uh, neuropeptide that has an important role in, in the uh, keeping 
us alert and awake. And so deficiency of that element, that the biochemical, the neuropeptide, namely hypocritin, is likely the underlying the ideology of all the symptoms that patients may experience. Some studies have suggested that hypocritin plays an important role in autonomic regulation, uh, which is a very important factor in, in, in blood pressure control and regulation, which in turn is an important uh, risk for cardiovascular disease. So that uh, the hypocretin and the uh, some of these uh, the autonomic the sympathetic parasympathetic regulation uh, have been studied in in animal studies. There's the findings I would say in my uh, in my opinion are not always consistent, but I think uh, there is a suggestion that the hypocretin a lack of hypocretin itself. Uh, can cause autonomic dysregulation, which can in turn uh, lead to a uh, uh, blood pressure dysfunction, regulation dysfunction, and then cardiovascular disease. Now, some studies have also uh, tried to look at the endothelial function, another important potential mechanism that can link narcolepsy or any other conditions to cardiovascular disease. The endothelial dysfunction in narcolepsy one uh, type one has been described, but the, again, the findings have not been consistent. So, I think jury is still out there as to what is really the biochemical uh, underpinning of the how narcolepsy might confer increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Does sleep disruption itself impact cardiovascular risk? Um, if so, what is the evidence for the connection between sleep disruption that's a hallmark of narcolepsy and increased cardiovascular risk? There is actually, there's a couple of meta-analysis that have been that where they showed that poor sleep, poor quality of sleep. Now, when we say poor quality of sleep, uh, oftentimes it encompasses quantity as well, so not Every, all studies distinguish the two necessarily, but, but this encompasses lack of sleep. So for example, short sleep uh, or subjectively uh, perceived poor quality of sleep. Now, of course, what is the definition of disruptive sleep? It's, it's, it's an arguable uh, what that, you know, as to what that might be. But uh, from narcolepsy perspective, we know that independent of subjective perception of their sleep quality, which typically uh, is very poor, you know, patients with narcolepsy, not all, but a lot of patients with narcolepsy would complain some degree of sleep difficulty at night. So there is a subjective component of that as well. But objectively, a number of studies have shown that the sleep state transition is more common and also um, the arousal may be more common in individuals with uh, narcolepsy. So, like, um, you know, this is objectively characterized sleep traits either using polysomnography or, or a tool like an actigraphy where they uh, track uh, the continuity of sleep or uh, sleep architecture, so to speak, and that individuals with narcolepsy uh, exhibit more disruptive sleep. Now, said that, how is that going to increase the risk of cardiovascular disease? Again, going back to meta-analysis, uh, that I, I mentioned. The uh, studies have shown that either subjectively perceived poor quality of sleep or objectively assessed poor quality of sleep. Again, it includes some of these phenotypes that I talked about that's, uh, that characterize narcolepsy, whether you call that disruptive sleep or uh, frequent arousals or sleep state shifts. 
frequent sleep state shift or poorly consolidated uh, sleep architecture. Uh, these, these may all belong to these type of studies, but have clearly been linked to uh, increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, you know, even though we are talking about cardiovascular disease as a whole, usually the, 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 this extends to overall outcomes as well. Uh, you know, I think the, as we might understand, uh, things that are not good for your heart or uh, a, a risk to your heart uh, typically would be a risk to other uh, health conditions such as, for example, neurocognition or um, the uh, cardiometabolic conditions. Um, and you know, some people may uh, even link this to uh, risk of cancer, you know, uh, aging, you know, or even mortality. Uh, I think a lot of things uh, needs to be uh, studied here, uh, but but uh, uh, there is some hint that uh, narcolepsy patients have higher risk of mortality as a whole. So. So again, this may not be just um, cardiovascular risk, but the overall uh, health risks. We'll be right back with Dr. Kwan after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Jazz Pharmaceuticals. Jazz Pharmaceuticals is a global biopharmaceutical company with a focus in neuroscience and sleep medicine, committed to improving the lives of patients and their families. Jazz is also the proud creator of Narcolepsy Link. The Narcolepsy Link mission is to increase narcolepsy awareness, help patients receive a proper diagnosis of narcolepsy, and to support long-term disease management. Narcolepsy Link creates innovative, evidence-based educational materials and resources for healthcare professionals to improve communication between healthcare professionals and their patients. Visit jazzpharma.com and narcolepsylink.com for more information. How do you balance narcolepsy management with the management of cardiovascular health factors, both in terms of lifestyle and pharmacotherapy? For example, smoking, physical activity, sleep hygiene, dietary sodium intake. Yeah, so that, that, that's a good question because, you know, what we can do to reduce uh, their potential cardiovascular risks. Uh, of course, that is, that is the most important question that we should raise uh, for our patients. So first we can talk about more of a general recommendation as to how we can keep our cardiovascular system healthy. And answer to that, I don't probably have to explain that or go over that with you uh, any, 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 uh, in, in a lengthy manner by any means, because to some extent we all know that very well. The common, you know, this is lifestyle. There's lifestyle modifications that we can, we can work on. These are modifiable uh, uh, things that we can do, such as exercise. You know, we all know exercise is important. This is not limited to patients with narcolepsy or by any means. Good diet. We know what good diets are. I know, and you know, it, it's often not the knowledge gap that we have, but it's often the, 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 um, the action uh, that is missing, uh, whether that's because of individual factors or issues that, that are beyond your control. But going back to the, uh, the lifestyle uh, factors, so we talked about exercise, diet, what else? So, so of course, you know, the sleep 
you know, which has become one of the eight components uh, that AHA designated as an important uh, uh, lifestyle a factor for a healthy heart. Sleep is important. Now, of course, this, this is a little bit more complex in this patient population because it's not that they do not want to have good sleep or enough sleep, but it's often because of their condition that they are not able to achieve good sleep. So we can talk about that a little bit separately, you know, but yeah. So the, you know, the, the healthy diet, exercise, and, and, and you know, uh, reducing stress in general, uh, these are all very important things that we can work on. Of course, avoiding stress or addressing stress in a healthy manner is, is a little bit more difficult to some extent, but something that, that we can all kind of be more uh, conscious of. The other things that we can uh, also do is things like uh, smoking that are obvious that are not good for your heart health, uh, we can avoid those things. Uh, or, or excessive alcohol intake, those we all know that are, are linked to adverse health outcomes. We all know that. And uh, tied with all that is also um, maintaining healthy um, weight, body weight, so weight management. Of course, this is all linked together. Healthy diet, exercise, these are all uh, associated with uh, your, your, your weight, but some may have to go take the uh, medications or some, some people have to go through bariatric surgery. Uh, and that's beyond this discussion, but obesity itself is also a major risk for cardiovascular disease. So if we can address these potentially modifiable lifestyle factors, I believe that the risk, cardiovascular risk can be curtailed. And again, this also, this applies to everyone, but this also applies to patients with narcolepsy. Now, specifically more pertinent to patients with narcolepsy, and we can, I guess, divide this discussion into two topics. One is how do we mitigate their sleep difficulties? Because that is part of their condition. And I just mentioned that healthy sleep is very important in maintaining cardiovascular health. G going to the first aspect, uh, how do we achieve better sleep? Uh, of course, number one and number two agenda are very interrelated because sometimes it's a pharmacotherapy that will improve their sleep. Now, narcolepsy, we are often naive to believe that narcolepsy defines their sleep 100%. But I have learned, and perhaps you or other clinicians, colleagues of mine have experienced, uh, is that that is not true. Of course, narcolepsy, the, the pathophysiology of narcolepsy itself uh, probably explains majority of uh, or, or a large portion of sleep problems that they experience. But again, it's not 100%. Uh, just like everyone uh, or, you know, like us or people with other sleep disorders, they are vulnerable to poor sleep because of other factors, not just because they, their hypocritin level is low, uh, but perhaps they have a poor sleep hygiene. Maybe they're, they're looking at their uh, smartphone too long at, at late at night, you know, uh, or perhaps they, uh, again, narcolepsy, uh, a lot of patients with narcolepsy are, are, are susceptible to falling asleep during the daytime. That's just part of the, the pathophysiology of narcolepsy. And, uh, but uh, I've seen some patients take uh, less control of that um, and uh, take, take naps, irreg you know, kind of irregular basis. They take naps here and there and here and there which will only make their night sleep 
more challenging. Uh, you know, some strategic napping can be helpful, but we know that narcolepsy, that may not be actually as helpful. So some of those uh, uh, behavioral factors needs to be also considered. So coaching is necessary. The, the, the usual 10 commandments that we give as part of sleep hygiene still applies to this patient population, let alone environmental factors. Uh, you know, when you are sleeping, you really want to have an optimal sleep environment. You do not want to sleep uh, in an environment where there is high level of noises around or just that there's just no uh, well-established uh, kind of a geographic location. So, so for example, some people are not good at equip, uh, like, uh, making their place where they sleep as peaceful as possible. These are often underappreciated logistics. So for example, having a, a blind or, or dark curtain is very important. And, and, and I have personally have experienced this myself. That sim seemingly that is very, uh, small minor factor, but in some patients and in some individuals, those small things make a lot of difference. Again, this also applies to patients with narcolepsy. Are there any published studies about narcolepsy and cardiovascular risk that you'd recommend for additional information? Yeah, so the, there's a this bond study where they looked at the, uh, I think this study is good because they, they look at the large size population, uh, again, using claim data set. The original data set, the bond looked at various uh, health conditions, but the subsequent study, I think that was published not too long ago, uh, the one that was published in neurology, the uh, it's, it's, it's presented in the form of abstract. Uh, it's called the CV bond. Uh, cardiovascular burden of narcolepsy disease and uh, titled the real world evidence study. This abstract looked at uh, a large number of uh, adults uh, in the data claim database and they, uh, you know, look at the association and here they, uh, they looked at various cardiovascular conditions such as stroke, stroke, heart failure, and things like that. And uh, strikingly, they, uh, they showed a higher risk of these conditions. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us about reducing the risk of cardiovascular comorbidities in patients with narcolepsy. You can find Sleep Review at sleepreviewmag.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode.